Indian legend time. A Native American fairy story for children of all ages. Legend has it that when the world was young and unfinished, the great spirit father made the mistake of leaving his paints where his children could get them. Raven begged Eagle to paint him as beautiful and grand as the great spirit had made Eagle himself. And so he did. And so he tried. But when Raven looked at his reflection in the water, he didn't like what he saw. Raven became angry. He and Eagle fought. And the great spirit father's paints were spilled over Raven and made him all black. Black wings, black eyes, black breast. Raven ran into the river and flapped his wings against the current, but the color was indelible. Water wouldn't wash it away. This is your punishment, said the Great Father, for interfering with my work. Black you are, and black you will stay. You will never come clean. Not much of a legend at that, is it, children? Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. And this is Come In 81 Kilo, a Forever Night podcast. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. The moment we've been waiting for for so, so long. The moment that apparently Rachel has been waiting for for so, so long. <laughs> you know what? I honestly forgot that we front-loaded this season with truly some of the most ridiculous episodes. Is this ridiculous? No, it's not ridiculous. What it is, is very 90s. It is so 90s. I actually felt the urge to go put a vest on after we got done watching this. Some oversized light wash jeans. Maybe a grunge band t-shirt. Ooh, a flannel shirt tied around your waist. Yeah, which you have never stopped doing. So, um, This is the Native American mysticism episode. We all knew it was coming. Anybody who's watched any 90s television shows knows... That this, this just this happened. This was like the seasons. You know what else happened in 1995? What? 
the Disney Pocahontas movie. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was inevitable. It was like the body swap episode or the this whole episode is a dream. And at the end, we're going to find out none of it actually happened episode. They just have they're like tropes. They just happened every single I'm pretty sure even Babylon 5 has one. In fact, I'm almost 100 percent Native American sure. mysticism yeah. episode. Somehow in space. I'm sure. So did Voyager, because Voyager actually has Chekhov, or no. Chakotay. Chakotay, thank you, um, who is Native. And uh, the next generation had it. Remember, they go to that whole planet that's nothing but Natives. Do you, in, do you remember that episode? And I don't remember that episode of Next Generation. That's how they get Will Wheaton off the show because he has oh, potential. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And so he, he stays ascends. to learn from the – it was just – it happened, okay? It's like watching a train wreck. What can we do? It already occurred, and here we are, and we have to talk about it. And we're going to try to talk about this as – I'm trying to figure out how to phrase Diplomatically. this. Yeah. What we need to do is everybody, please, just get out your context lenses. Forget that you just listened to 48 minutes of drums and birdsong and chanting and just try to get through this episode for the plot. And appreciate that we didn't get a flashback of Nick in Native American dress. Thank you, God. Thank God for small favors. If anything, it makes this episode palatable. If we had gotten the Nick Knight version of... Dances with Wolves? Thank you. Yes. I was like, running with wolves? No, it's some other verb with wolves. Verb with wolves. Dances with wolves. I would have been... I don't know if we could have talked about this episode. We would have had just like a disclaimer. Like, we're so <laughs> we, sorry. <laughs> we would have had to have a companion episode of us talking about Kevin Costner and Dances with Wolves. I don't know. We would have had to just just 30 minutes of us listing off indigenous charities that you can donate to. And <laughs> as, as compensation. As compensation uh, and groups to support. And uh, I already feel like I should probably put some in the show notes. It's like when you get done watching this episode, if you feel the need to cleanse your soul a little bit, Dry clean your soul, one might say. Just go drop 10 bucks on these following groups. I did look up all of the actors who played Native characters in this episode. Okay. Because, like, surely at least they're all Native. Not like Vashon the Spaniard, who's not even remotely Spanish. Um, and to, for the most part, yes. So... Michelle Thrush, who plays Marion, is actually Cree. Okay. And she was the lead in a show called Blackstone, which she won a Gemini Award for. So she's gone on to do lots of stuff. The guy who plays Jess Nevins, who's probably our most prominent Native character, despite not actually having a role in the plot, except to just be around and be native. Oh, yeah. And be the one he who, says, Wing's friend. who says spirit plane more than anyone else. Um, his name is Dennis Lacroix, or Lacroix probably. Um, and he's Cree as well. And then Jack Burning, who plays Gary, ironically, because Gary is, Gary Farmer is the guy who plays Stone yes. Tree. Yeah. Um, so Gary is, I don't know what he is, but he's, he plays native in a whole bunch he's of shows. He's a human being. He is a human being. Yes. But 
There's no details. You don't know about any association to a tribe. He even has a Wikipedia page and it doesn't say. But he plays he plays a suspiciously natively named character in a lot of shows, including I think Kung Fu the Legend Continues. (laughs) Which I think almost everybody in the show has played in Kung Fu the Legend Continues. Yeah. Um, and then Glenn Gould, who plays the young Gary, uh, he is Micmac, okay. M apostrophe K M A Q. And then Peter Kelly Galdero, G A U D R E A U L T, who plays Buckwater. Again, no information. Okay. Not no, not yes. I don't know. So for the most part, yes. So let's just go with that. So good job actually trying to find characters, trying to find actors who are native to play native characters. In fact, um, several of them have gone on to support causes like uh, Michelle Thrush is an activist. She's an indigenous indigenous activist. And Dennis LaCroix, LaCroix, um, he founded a like native theater troupe. Very cool. Yeah. So look them up. Maybe drop them whatever charities they're a part of. Maybe go donate to that just to just to maybe feel a little bit better about what you just had to watch. One that, of course, is what we're talking about, which is season three, episode four, Blackwing. And there's one other piece of business we have to take care of. And we've been forgetting to do it for a couple of episodes, so we need to do it right now, which is we have a Patreon who joined... A patron. <sighs> We have a patron on Patreon, fine, who joined at a high enough tier to warrant a shout out on the show. So thank you, Kelly, for joining the Patreon page. Welcome to the Discord and the madness. (laughs) I'm glad this Discord is more exciting than other Patreon Discords you've been part of. Which she said, which is why we're quoting it. But welcome, Kelly. Hopefully when you get to this episode, we're sorry it took us so long to shout out for you. But the opening of the show is um, chanting, native-sounding music, candles. The background of this entire episode. Stereotypical native iconography. And there's a fellow who is wafting, I imagine, sage on himself while on a dream walk. And we know it's a dream walk because it has a lower frame rate than the real world. Yes. Yes. Slightly out of focus and in the woods. Ha ha. <laughs> the trifecta. The tri- <laughs> That's how we know it's the spirit plane. It's out of focus. It's a lower frame rate and it's nature. God, this is going to be so hard. And then we see a woman asleep in her bed and she's sort of thrashing around. And then all of a sudden there's a woman with this young fellow in the spirit walk, spirit world, woods. And they have a brief interaction, and then the guy gets his throat slit. And we see in real life, he also gets his throat slit. So this is our murder for the episode. And the woman in the bed sits up, and she's like, Grandfather! And then we cut immediately to the intro. It's one of the uh, least uh, visible crimes that's yeah. actually been introduced before the, the intro. Well, it's, I mean, we see it happen in the spirit world. Just, God. <laughs> okay. You can do this, Rachel. I know. I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. We come back to see Tracy getting ready, and she's sort of looking in the mirror. 
I don't know, fixing your hair or whatever. And on the TV, they're talking about this protest that is happening over land ownership of this property where they want to build a mega mall. And apparently this land is disputed property of the Mississaugan tribe. And the concerned citizen who pops up to say that he is absolutely <laughs> certain that this property is owned by the Mississauga. I was wondering when Veshan was going to come pop, back. Pop back up. Well, he's not Veshan. He's a concerned citizen. Oh, right. And he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. They own this land. And we're going to find out pretty soon that I'm right. Because there's a deed somewhere out there that proves they own it. And the poor... You, you imagine he was just standing there watching the protest and this news reporter walked up and was like, sir, do, what do you have to say about this? And he was like, oh, let me spill the tea. I was there. I was there 200 mm -hmm. years ago when they drew up this tree. <laughs> In fact, I signed it. In fact, I signed it. And then he, we, she cut to Tracy and Tracy's like, oh, Vashon. And we see her like walking towards the TV. And then when they cut back, Vashon has apparently gotten on his motorcycle and rides off. Of course, off. he rides off on his motorcycle. On screen. Is this Nick's motorcycle? No, I don't know. We haven't seen his motorcycle in a while. Yeah. Like, did he pass it off to the younger, Maybe it was hotter like, vampire? sorry, I grabbed you by the throat and pushed you up against the wall. The younger, hotter vampire? <laughs> I heard that. Don't think I didn't hear that. <laughs> Get out. Gotcha. You're off. You're off the island. Bye. I'm going to bring, <laughs> I'm going to bring Megan. She's never going to say that. <laughs> I'm so betrayed. <laughs> This is already hard enough. And then you have to throw that in there. I'm not saying that that actor is not attractive. The mullet is a little over the top for me. It's all party and no business. It's not even a mullet, really. It's long hair and bangs. It's a perm. It's a perm per mullet, I think is what we called it. Yes. But then we go to the crime scene because Tracy gets a phone call. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way. I'm already. I'll be there soon. And so they arrive at the crime scene. And... We find out that Gary Blackwater, the fellow who was murdered, was one of the primary people involved in the actual lawsuit with the Robinson Company who was trying to open this mega mall. And a friend came in and found him with his throat slit about an hour ago. Oh, you left out. Who else? Oh, no, this is later. Yeah. Oh, later. Later. I know where you're uh. going, but it's coming. And we find that all out kind of summarily, uh, partly through the news report, and then partly through talking to this guy named Jess Nevins, who is Gary's friend. Yes. Who is doing a really good job of being... I can't tell if he's doing a really good job being his character or if he's literally just standing there delivering lines. Why not both? He's getting some really, he gets the funniest lines He's in cast this episode. He's extremely well okay, for this role. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Because they're, they're like, oh, this guy got his throat slit. And then Nick looks over and Natalie's holding this. She's like, Nick, look over here. And she has this two knife set, which one, which one knife is missing. And Natalie's like, oh, what do you think are the odds? This is a two knife set. There's one knife missing. He got his throat slit by a knife. And Nick's like, oh, okay. And he goes to grab the other knife and it burns him because it's a 
It's a religious symbol. It's a religious symbol. So, well, we already knew that because he's been repelled by a menorah too. So clearly anything, which I think is good. I I hate when it's just the cross. Right. Like every single vampire is right. going to be Which, which just uh, is a reference, I guess, refers back to our conversation about the druids blessing an entire forest. <laughs> Could you make an entire tree, an entire forest sacred? Theoretically, yes. It keeps the vampires out. <laughs> God. But... <laughs> <laughs> Why are you blessing these trees? Keeps the vampires keeps out. The vampires but there's no vampires here. It's working. <laughs> Tracy sees him pull his hand back and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, it was a, um, a static, static shock. charge. Static charge. And this is when Tracy launches into her, oh, that must be the raven. The raven is the power animal of the medicine man. He stole the sun and gave it to the world. <laughs> Standing up in front of the sixth grade class reciting yes. <laughs> her paragraph. And yeah. Natalie and Nick just look at her and she's like, oh, girl guides, merit badge in North American cultures. What is it, uh, raven? Yeah. Power animal, the medicine man. Iktomi, the trickster bird, was a very popular icon in native culture. He stole the sun from his uncle and gave it to the world. Sixth grade. Girl Guides. Merit badge in Native American cultures. <laughs> Shout out to Girl Guides. Girl Guides. Shout out to Girl Guides. But then we've, we talked to Mr. Nevins, who is the friend. And this is, there's a bit of a thing. It doesn't really matter, but Nick is wearing gloves when he touches the knife for once. But when they walk over to talk to Jess Nevins, he's no longer wearing gloves. Mm-hmm. And he kind of sets something off to the side. And I rewound it a couple times to try to figure out what he sets off to the side, but we really don't know. It like clinks. So it can't be his gloves and it can't be the evidence bag he was carrying because that's in his pocket. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. The deleted scene. Yeah. The deleted scene of him getting something else because he clearly has the giant evidence bag, which I don't know what the evidence bag is holding. It's in his pocket. Is it holding the the display rack with the other knife in it? No, because he couldn't touch it. <laughs> the whole display rack is in, <laughs> in his pocket. His pocket. <laughs> uh, and he asks Nevin what he was doing there. He's like, why did you come in the middle of the night? Like, why are you here? And he's like, oh, there's a hearing in the morning. So I drove down from the reserve to stay here for the night. And I thought that was interesting because in the United States, we call them reservations. And then I guess in Canada, they're reserves. Because I heard Tracy say it later, and I was like, did she get it wrong? But I guess they must have two different nomenclatures. And they're just asking him, like, what, is, what, what was the point? Like, what are you invested in? What is, why are you here? What's going on? <laughs> just, just trying to get an idea of what Nevin's relationship is to the fellow who died. And he gets this line where he says, the Codas have casinos, the Seminoles get bingo, and we get zilch, just turquoise and trinkets, and we just want our share. They're not trying to stop the mall. They want to be invested in the mall. Right. And in the 90s, that would have been a money-making prospect to have a stake in this huge mall, which now would probably be empty and knocked down. But in the 90s, at least, this was like, oh, this, this is our chance to get a cut of the pie. Right. And so Nick says, do you think this guy had any enemies? He goes, do you think a friend would slow? He goes, look at throat. what happened to him. Do you think a friend did that? <laughs> Mr. Blackwing, did he have a lot of enemies? 
You saw him. Would you say that's the work of a friend? He gets the he gets the best lines in this episode. He does. Nick, honestly, Gare looks uncomfortable like he doesn't want to be delivering these lines. Same. I don't want to be here while you deliver them either. And yet here we all are together, trapped in this terrible moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Tracy, who I think this is really interesting because Tracy found out that vampires existed and she's just all in. She's like, all of it must be real. Medicine man? Sure. Why not? Vampires exist. Why not medicine men? I'm here for all of this. You told me that the Loch Ness Monster was swimming around Lake Ontario. I'd be out there with binoculars. Whereas Natalie is like, oh, vampires exist? Only vampires exist. This is the only thing that has been disputed in my mind. Yeah. Every other, like, thing that I have, um, every other piece of my worldview about the supernatural has remained unchanged yeah except sometimes it isn't sometimes she will allow that there are things happening that are supernatural until it's no longer convenient for the plot and then all of a sudden she's missed science again right she flip-flops in this episode much less in the greater scheme of the entire show well there's a little bit more evidence that something else is going on you mean later? Yeah. Yeah, because Nick is having all these, like, visions and things. Yeah, which she fully does not believe. Uh, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. So Tracy is like, oh, was he a medicine man? You know, did he did he practice uh, Native American mysticism? <laughs> <laughs> he practiced the craft. The cr- and Nevin was like, yeah, uh, but he was of this earth for business and for his people. He wasn't like... Out in woo-woo land for everything. Not that this is woo-woo, but we're just going to... God, this is hard. And she goes, well, uh, why a raven knife? Why do you think he was murdered with a raven knife? And the guy goes, "Uh, because it was sharp and it was handy. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think he was murdered with a ritual raven knife? Probably because it was sharp and it was handy. Let's not read too much into this. (laughs) And he says he had the original surveyor's letter. So he's the one that they went after because he's the one who had the proof. And this is when Marion arrives. And we know she arrives because she's like, I want to see my grandfather. And she's like trying to push through everybody. through the door. And Nevins is like, oh, she must have seen him in the spirit walk. Because I meant to call her and I totally, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Oops, I meant to call her and I didn't. But luckily she knew through the spirit channel. Right, because she already knows. Because she already knows. And he walks over and he's like, why are you here, Marion? I didn't call you. And she's like, I knew he was murdered. I saw it in the spirit plane. (laughs) I saw him get his throat cut. And Nick tries to grab her to calm her down. And of course, this is like the Nick psychic touch where immediately she starts seeing visions of him as a vampire. Yeah, he needs to stay away from psychic. You think he'd learn at a certain point to stop standing near psychics when they're using their powers. And yet every time... He just runs right in there, and we. Uh, this is actually pretty similar to the scene to the episode. Um, is it dying to know you? Where with the psychic? Yeah. Wow, that just occurred to me because they even both die at the end. Well, of course they die at the end because it's a like strong romantic interest, and we can't have plots that extend more than one episode that aren't called part one and part two. I mean, we've had plenty of people learn about him, and then they just disappear into the ether. But not 
not where they're like strongly attracted to each other and they like want to be together. Oh yeah, no, sure. He's that's what happened to Elise. Oh, but I guess that was part one and part two. And um, she quote died at the end. Yeah, a quote turned died turned into a vampire quote died. Uh, has he ever had a strong? I guess a season one had so many women that he was like, we could probably be together. Probably, but they didn't actually like. Get together. Get together and, mm. like, bond. That's true. All right, we'll table that discussion for later. I'm sure somebody will fill me in. If you can think of one, just let me know. I'll add it to next week's episode, if I remember. So, immediately, Marion's like, yes, I knew he died. I saw it on the spirit walk. And Evans is like, she has his gift. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to them in this interrogation room. And Nick is standing back in the shadows. And Tracy is sitting there like, tell me all about the spirit plane. I am so interested in this stuff. It's so uncomfortable. She is so in. Unlike Natalie, of course, because Natalie is like, mm, I don't know. Actually, at this moment, she kind of believes because uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get there. So and I appreciate Tracy's sincere curiosity about I do this. The, this is what I like about Tracy is that Tracy is innocently interested in everything that's happening right it's partly I need to find out information but it's also huh so you saw it on the spirit walk that's really cool because later she's like right. can like you do she, another she thing she believes everybody and it's not performative right. it's not exploitative it's just sincere. she's actually curious yeah yeah but she explains her dream. She says, you know, I was in the woods. There was a young native guy there. He was trying to give me something. And Nevins is like, a, a warrior's lance? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, yeah, because he was trying to give you his power. And she says, he was young, but I knew he was my grandfather. And Nevin goes, Nevins says, yes, we all get to be young in the spirit plane forever. Ain't that a good deal? And he like looks over at me. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Uh. his his there so okay i think part of the thing that stands out about his his lines yeah is it's this kind of clash of this mystical uh like a medical metaphysical language just straight into like vernacular like, yeah. oh, yeah, ain't that a good deal? It's the juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah. Tell him he's my best friend and I miss him and he still owes me money. Or in a few minutes when he's talking about there's a great darkness around you to Nick, he tells him there's a great darkness around you. It is swallowing your light and your light can't break free. Are you married by any chance? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and Nick goes, no. And he goes, well, can't be that then. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's the juxtaposition of this guy's yeah. line. And honestly, he saves this episode. Yes. If it was just Marion being serious about this budding ability to walk on the spirit plane and Nick somehow also being able to walk on the spirit plane and Natalie being skeptical and Tracy being almost uh, childlike interested in all of the stuff that's happening around her, it would be too much. But then we get this character who has these I'm in on the joke lines. The I realize that this is just that little bit ridiculous. 
But the executives asked us to throw this in there because natives are popular right now. And so we're trying to capitalize on that. Yeah, but he can summarize everything. Yeah. So so then none of the other characters have to have an informa like an informative conversation with somebody about like right. the but metaphysical stuff. He's he can summarize it for them and then make a joke at the end. Right. He's a nice blend of um exposition but also realism. Yeah. Yeah, because we're right in that. We had this period where it was like Last of the Mohicans, Dances with Wolves. We had all of these native... Pocahontas. Pocahontas. It was this odd... It was like the meteor movies of the early 2000s, but natives? I don't know how to describe this. Uh, Barbie released a whole series of native Barbies because my sister had them all. And if you think they looked any different than regular Barbies, but with native dress, think again, son, because they just had slightly darker skin, black hair, um, but the exact same Barbie mold. Yeah, because my sister had all of them. And remember those plates? You could, your grandma has Yeah, them. the decorative plates. The decorative yeah. plates. Everybody got these like collector's decorative plates from Reader's Digest every year. But for this, this time period, they're all native. They're like native iconography. And my sister had that whole set, too. This was just a really weird moment. I don't know what happened in the late 90s and just tipping in into the, the early 2000s in the yeah. U.S. But this was a moment for this type of storyline, this type of including. I think it was just the mystery of Native American religion and mysticism and culture it's probably like an extension of the whole new wave new age movement yeah india was where, out natives were in right like you had all the yoga and meditation stuff yeah it's like okay what do we do what do we do next for like an unexplored like mystical culture that we yeah. can exploit for capitalism yes and oh here's all the native american stuff and you know we can ostensibly funnel money into the rent reservations yeah. for that. Yes. Well, anyway, I don't know. I'm just trying to make sure everybody knows I am coming from this from as neutral of a position as I possibly can to talk about this extremely 90s, extremely dated storyline. So we get back to they are in this interrogation room and – Tracy is asking them about the spirit world. A lot is happening. And then we cut to the people who are watching the interrogation, which is Reese and Natalie. And Reese is like, well, this is all new on me. I never heard of this shit before. And Natalie goes, well, it's not unheard of in families to have a strong psychic link. Really, is, Natalie? Is it not? Really? Natalie? What, what scientific paper did you read that in? Oh, Nick doesn't get to be supernatural. But sometimes families can have psychic links. Hmm. This is what I'm talking about. In this episode, we get both sides of the Natalie coin. Where here right, she's because like, because later she says, "There's nothing metaphysical about your condition." Yeah, she's like, "I've studied you every which way I can think of, and there's nothing metaphysical about your condition. It's all." But physical. she hasn't studied him metaphysically, just yeah. physically. Yes, exactly. Of course, you've only observed the physical changes because you haven't. You haven't interacted with him on the spirit plane, Natalie. What can you possibly know? <laughs> Jesus. 
He spent to the afterlife. But Tracy, bless Tracy. Tracy's like, is there another ceremony you could do where you like go on another walk and you actually talk to your grandfather and you like ask your grandfather what happened? Is there some kind of ceremony she could do to go back to the spirit walk? Maybe you could talk to your grandfather, ask him what happened. I think we should go now. And she's like, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, Marion's like, I honestly have no idea. Like, thank you, blonde lady. I don't know what I'm, I don't know how to do that right now. Like, I just, I've had a really long day. But Tracy's like, okay, thank you. She, she relents very quickly. She's like, cool, thanks, sorry, appreciate that. And then she goes back to talk to Nick, who is like sexy leaning on the desk in the background in his black suit. Does he have another lean? That that sounds like, uh, yeah. It's even if his only lean is sexy lean, it's still sexy lean. He's like leaning on this desk, and Nevin Nevins goes to talk to Marion, and Marion is like checking out Nick's darkness. Oh yeah, <laughs> because she digs his darkness. Nevins is like, you still see with Gary's eyes, don't you? And she's like, that man is surrounded by darkness. <laughs> And I think there's a light inside trying to get out, but it can't because there's so much darkness. And Nick comes over to talk to them and he gra- he goes to shake Nevin's hand and he ends up touching Marion and Marion gets another vision. Fletch. Yeah. Yeah. And she actually turns and walks away, like walks 10 or so feet away and is like huddling around a corner, like peeking at Nick around a corner. And this is when we get the line about she sees a great darkness around you. Are you married? She sees you in her grandfather's vision, detective. She says a great darkness encases you. It strangles your spirit. You're not married, are you, detective? And he's like, no. And he goes, well, it can't be that then. But I do know she can heal you. That's the whole point of being a medicine man is she can take your darkness. And Nick is like, Oh, can she take my darkness? Mm. Mm. I am color me intrigued. And Tracy comes over and she goes, I think Marion's got a crush on you. What tipped you off, Tracy? (laughs) Was it when he touched her and she fled? Was that the part that made you? And then kept peeking around the corner at him? With a terrified expression on her face, like she'd just seen him murder somebody because she did just see him murder somebody. Tracy, what does define crush to me? What does that mean to you? No wonder she fell for the bomber. She was like, oh, Tracy. She was like, I both feel attracted and mildly repelled by this man. I must have a crush on him. I have strong feelings. <laughs> One way or another. They must be love. <laughs> and Tracy sees, oh, wow, she has strong feelings about Nick. It must be love. That's why she fled. She can't stand to be in his presence. She loves him so much. <laughs> okay uh so we get a green screen cadillac moment here he's riding in his cadillac and we green screen it could we not afford to bolt a camera to the front of the Cadillac? like usual like usual. i think it's because he's actually not paying attention to the road he's like and it would have been unsafe to drive and do the yeah yeah because so we're implying that nick is fine driving under the influence of visions. <laughs> well, we knew that because he has flashbacks while driving all the time. But he's driving 
And he's weaving in and out of the spirit realm because now that he's connected to Marion, he's also got the power to walk on the spirit realm. Fine. It's not like he hasn't done this before. I guess that's what the entire near-death episode was about, was him going between his life and the spirit world. Yeah. Except his spirit world is a barren wasteland filled with graves. So maybe the- Well, that, that's because he was going to- his metaphysical location in the spirit realm. But now he's getting pulled into Marion's metaphysical location in the spirit world. Okay. Which is the forest. Obviously. With birdsong and flute music. <laughs> and drums. And drums. So many drums. So many drums. So many drums. It's actually the beating of the heart. So <laughs> but he ends up pulling the car off to the side and flying off. <laughs> he just like pulls Marian. diagonally across the lane. This that's later. This is the first oh, time he just pulls one. off to the side. Okay. Whooshes out. If, so anybody watching his car would see this guy pull over and then just <laughs> <laughs> ejection seat. <laughs> <laughs> Rise vertically out of this Cadillac. Is he a spy? This is the real reason he has. A, oh no, we know why he has a convertible. convertible. It's so the wind noise won't seem weird when he's flying. Just when he's on his cell phone. Yeah, he yeah. says the top down. So he fl- he flies off, and we're cutting in between him flying and Marion walking around in the spirit realm. And she finds a covered body, and she sees this pool of blood beside the body because, of course, it's her grandfather's body. And then she, like, whips her head around, and Nick is in the spirit realm with her, wearing his blue shirt, his what he's wearing at work. And she walks over to him in the spirit realm, and then she wakes up. And she's like, oh, thank God. That was so weird. Why was that detective in my dream? And then she just gets up and looks over because Nick is actually in her apartment (laughs) (laughs) and is overlooking at this picture. And she's not frightened. There was a problem. There was something in the water in the 90s that none of these women are freaked out when there's a man in their house. If I woke up, if I was having a dream, and this guy that I met one time, and every time I touched him, I saw people dying, was in my dream, and I thought I was having a nightmare, and I jolted awake, realizing that it was all a dream. Had a sudden sense of relief that, oh man, I'm good to go. I'm so glad that I'm not near this guy, and I'm actually alone in my apartment, and I'm safe here, and he's not here. And then he is And then he actually is in your room and you're like, oh, I thought that was a dream. Oh, well, I think I'll go talk to him. Because she just gets over and walks. Oh, hey, detective, how can I help you? And he's not even looking at her. He's just like staring at one of her paintings. And she goes, you're here. How are you here? And he's like, I was hoping you could tell me what's happening. And then he grabs her forearm, does the forearm, mutual forearm grab. And he's like, I think we could help each other and then she turns around like you know to walk towards the camera with an agonized expression she's like i don't know i don't know what i'm doing and he does the grabby hand move where he comes up behind her and like grabs her shoulders from behind not above her shoulders but like wrapping his arms around her front and grabbing the front of her shoulders and pulling him to himself pulling her to himself and then he puts his head in her like right where her shoulder meets her neck 
And I did not notice this until I was grabbing the sound clips and I had my headphones on while I was looking at the show. But there is a very subtle growl noise, like his vampire growl noise when he pulls away. He, when he pulls away. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's pretty riled up. He's a little riled up. And it's super subtle. And I was like, oh, I actually think that's a really good element to add in there because it's like he is fighting himself a little bit in this moment. He both wants to help her, but help him, help her. He wants all the helps, but he also wants to hurt her too, which he kind of ends up doing if you think about it. Yeah. He's acting selfishly in this moment. Let's put it that way because... She turns around and she says, a medicine man works by finding your heat. And I don't know, I, I can't find your heat. You're so cold. And he's like, oh, no, I know exactly where my problem is. Let me show you. <laughs> Let me show you where my darkness is. <laughs> it's time for some spirit nookie is what it is. <laughs> because then we cut to the spirit world where um, the makeout king does make out things does what he does best or as now, Meg would say i noticed she's making out almost with him almost as aggressively oh, yeah. as he's making out with her oh yeah no she's definitely like okay we're about to film this you ready and he's like let's do this because um this she's is... like and she says i've learned everything i know about kissing from watching you <laughs> no <I don't> <laughs> <know>. <laughs> Because as Meg would say, uh, this is a touchdown for the Toronto tongue tornado, <laughs> <laughs> which is a very subtle plug for what we might be doing after Come In 81 Kilo concludes. So stay tuned for news. But they have Spirit Nookie. Apparently, I don't know if we're supposed to read that they have actual sex. Okay. She's tucked in bed. Yeah. With no visible shirt. Yes. He walks over and he's buttoning up his shirt. Yes. Like he'd gotten out of bed and gotten dressed. But did they exchange blood in real life and in the spirit world? I don't world? think they did because he doesn't have a mark on his arm. Well, and we never see a mark on her arm either. Yeah. I think it was purely metaphysical. But the reason I'm saying he's acting selfishly in this moment whether or not they have sex aside, I think it's left up to interpretation. Did they just, were they only intimate in the spirit realm? Is it just because they exchanged blood? Did they exchange other fluids? What really happened here? The reason I say he's acting selfishly is because he in no way tells her the cons possible consequences of exchanging blood with him. Right. He doesn't explain like, he doesn't oh explain yeah, shit. my darkness that you are taking it's a big fucking deal. It's a big fucking deal. He's like, oh, you can take it? Okay, here you go. But be careful because I'm a vampire. No. It's like she told him she could take care of his dog for the day. And he was like, oh, thank God. This dog has been on my nerves for a while. He gives her the dog, but it's not a dog. It's a rabid wolf. <laughs> yes. And he's just like, yeet, yeah. and leaves with her and the rabid wolf. Right. With no care and strength. And she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll adopt your dog. Yeah. And, yeah. But it's it's a rabid wolf and there's no leash. <laughs> exactly. There's no leash and no care instructions. <laughs> and, and she's holding a raw steak. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which is rude, right? 
it's how it's, rude it's a bit much the the oh you can take my darkness okay here you go yet again nick not preparing i guess for the consequences or not even caring about the consequences right just oh wow i feel really good right now yeah because he buttons up his shirt and then he walks over and he's like i can see myself in the mirror and he touches the mirror like he's surprised to see himself in there which congratulations that's the second time we've ever mentioned it in the entirety of forever night hooray consistency hey they brought it back up they don't specifically mention he didn't have a reflection before, but he seems surprised by whatever it is he sees in the mirror. Because he goes home and he puts on his thinking robe and mm-hmm. he's whitewashing his face in the mirror and bragging to Natalie, who is not impressed because he's like, I, I feel free. I feel so much better, Natalie. And she said, uh, well, you might want to wait till night to have me come check on you because my house calls are astronomically expensive. I just feel better, okay? I'd like to see you. With what I charge for house calls, you'd be better off to wait till dark. I think it worked. But I don't really know what she did to me. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I don't know what she did, but it worked. And she goes, oh, okay, that easy, huh? That's all it took. You're that easy, Nick. All she had to do was walk with you on the spirit plane, and all of a sudden you guys are having sex, and do you know what I have done for you? And yet, what are we doing? Right. He can can hook up with Marion without endangering her. Yeah. Because of his primal nature, Uh, his darkness. Yeah. But he can't hook up with Natalie. I think that's part of her saltiness. It's just a little bit of the salty seasoning on all of what she tries to tell him throughout this episode. Because, of course, the sun still burns. He sticks his hand in the sun and it still burns. And he's like, well, I don't know. I'm still a vampire, but I feel better. I don't know what to tell you. But you know who's not okay? Marion is not okay. Because she's cleaning the mirror and she sees herself in the mirror. But now the affable young artist that we met earlier is a little bit more dark, one might say. She, she has, Yeah, she does a good job of just slightly changing her like resting face. Yeah. To be like I'm a little more dangerous now. Right. And then we cut to the hearing, the day after hearing, which is what Nevins had come into town for. Let's call him Jess. What Jess had come into town for. And we're talking to their native lawyer who is Buckwater. Buckwater? That Buckwater. And they, he calls him Little Cloud in this moment because he says, oh, okay, did the, he tell you on the spirit plane that he was going to get you that deed? I mean, what are we going to do, man? I need real life facts here. And he's like, listen, Little Cloud, don't talk about things you don't understand. This is all going to be okay. We're going we're gonna to get through this because Marion has her dad's powers. And he's like, oh, great. This is just great. And then we get to the hearing where the judge is really not sympathetic. Because Jess says uh, the guy who had our evidence was just murdered. And she's like, well, that's not my problem. You still need to produce the evidence. By Friday, 9 a.m. And then Marion kind of argues her way into the hearing. Because they're like, you're not recognized. And she goes, yeah, but my grandfather was. And he's dead. And now I'm here. And they're like, okay, that's a solid argument. And then that's the end of the legal proceedings. We don't ever get back to them. I hope you enjoyed it. That was that. (laughs) Ha ha. Ha ha. 
And because we cut to Natalie has finally come to Nick's house. He's still in his robe and she's like listening to his heart. She's taking his blood pressure and he picks up the uh, stethoscope and he speaks in the end of the stethoscope and he goes, I don't feel guilty. It's the guilt, <laughs> Natalie. The guilt is gone, Natalie. And Natalie's like, bull fucking shit. She's just not, 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 not having it at all. I don't feel guilty. That's what it is. For the first time in my life, I don't feel guilty. Really? So, how much does it cost to get your soul dry clean these days? Maybe I'll send mine out, too. I'm sorry, I just think you're the victim of the placebo effect. So I just feel better because I want to feel better? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. What about the visions? I don't know. Maybe byproducts of sleep deprivation, vivid daydreaming. Basically, you need to get more sleep. You have a scientific explanation for everything, don't you, even if you don't believe it? I don't mean to burst your morning after bubble, but you still don't tan, you boil. And you had three pints of donated plasma this morning for breakfast. You are still a vampire. But I don't feel like one. She goes, uh, how much does it cost to have your soul dry cleaned these days? I think maybe I'll give it a shot. And he's like, I'm not to be like that. <laughs> she goes, well, last I checked... Uh, you don't tan, ya boil. And you had three pints of donated plasma this morning for breakfast. So you're still a vampire. And he's like, yeah, but I don't feel like a vampire. He does not dispute the donated plasma part, which slightly implies he's not drinking cow blood that he drinks anymore. I don't know, because we haven't mentioned cow blood yet this season. Maybe he maybe he had a, a dietary change i'm not so sure it's certain they're not trying to make him more edgy and so we do away with mm. the he can drink cow blood the the explicitness have of the we fact. seen him drink from a glass bottle yet this season maybe once they all kind of run together i'm taking a minute here we saw vashon bring in bottles because when he's talking to tracy in this yes. episode he carries in the like winery bottles yeah i don't know we haven't really addressed his blood drinking very much this season at all except that he's more restrictive than other people right i don't know because every time i think about it all i can think of is a more permanent hell because <clears throat> that one just kind of sears itself into your brain right uh i don't know what's well, something to keep an eye out for let's see if they mention cow so blood if again. it's like actually like filtered plasma like separated plasma it's gonna look more clear well, I think she's just saying plasma blood. instead of blood. Just like Ah. Yeah. I don't I think she was just using it interchangeably. She wasn't using saying plasma not blood. I don't know. It's weird. Um just something to think about. See if we do mention cow blood again cuz I know we're going to have several episodes where we kind of discuss what they drink and what they don't drink. So it's going to come up. So we're going to get a chance to talk about it again. So we'll just set that on the table for now. Because we cut to Tracy and Marion. Because Tracy is kind of roaming around Gary's house. She can't do much because they don't have permission to go through his things. But she can sort of sort out the scene. And Marion shows up when Tracy is admiring one of his pictures. The painting that Gary was sitting in front of when he was spirit walking with Marion at the beginning of the show. And... Marion says that that's actually her artwork, that she left the reserve at 17, put herself through art school, 
Um, but she never, ever gave a piece to her dad because, or to her grandfather because she thought he would be disappointed in her because she left his way of life. Right. Uh, so he must have gotten this piece through a dealer, which is kind of sad. The only way he got anything of hers was by buying it because by going out was, and shopping for it. She was so, she thought he was going to be so ashamed of her that he didn't. She didn't feel like she could talk to him, which is, I mean, this in a, in a complicated episode with complicated emotions, that's sad. I never looked back. It was hard, but it was the right thing to do. Look at it this way. I'm probably the only woman in town with a master's degree in fine arts and can skin a deer. (laughs) She actually says... Uh, you know, what the thing that I actually need is here somewhere, but I, I don't know where it is. And it's going to take a lot longer than a week to go through all of this shit. Thanks, Dad. And Tracy goes, is he here right now? <laughs> She's just so on board and willing to participate. It's so sweet. And Marion goes, no, no, like I wish, but no, he's not here right now. And Tracy kind of has a really sweet moment where she's trying to relate to Marion because Marion's talking about how she left. She left the reserve and she left the life that she was supposed to lead, but she couldn't run very far because, I mean, she still does very native, native adjacent artwork. And Tracy relates that like her whole family is cops and the last thing she wanted to be was another officer vetter. And so she went to college and tried to do all these other things, but she just, they didn't fit as well as being a cop. And she's a good cop. And she says, you know, sometimes we're just meant to do what we're meant to do. And we may try to do other things, but you're going to fall back into what you're meant to do anyway. And Marion's like, okay, like I kind of get that. And that's when Tracy goes to see Vashon because we don't really get a flashback. In this right, we just episode, get flashes into the spirit world. We get flashes world. into the spirit world, and then we get this tiny little flashback with Vashon. Because she goes to see Vashon, and she's like, hello, concerned citizen. Well, first he pops up behind her and scares her, and she goes, why did you do that? And he's like, because I can. <laughs> Don't laugh. You would absolutely do that. Oh, I, to- I would. <laughs> Fucking constantly. I have. We had a cat. I do. <laughs> we had a cat. And every time the cat yawned, Matt would stick his finger in its mouth. Not every time. That poor cat was so traumatized. Every time it went to yawn, it was like, help me. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) He'd usually lick my finger afterward. Yeah. Well, that was poor Sammy. So Tracy asks him, what does he know about it? Like, why does he feel so sure that this deed exists? And he's like, oh, because I was there. And we find out that he fought in the French and Indian War. And he, of course, fought on the losing side because he says, you know, when you fight for the losing side after a while, it just wears on you and and you start to wonder what the point of it all is. And she's like, "Okay, so what side were you on? And he was like, the losing side, always. (laughs) Whoever was losing. Whoever was losing. And so, of course, he fought to, he says, interrupt the supply lines, so to speak. And then we just see him killing a guy. And then he says, I was there when they penned the, when they penned the, like, document in in question and of course he signed it which i like how everybody else's signature is real neat and tight and then his is like (laughs) jay so it would be legible on a crt screen (laughs) 
That, it's that's, twice that's, the size know, of right? everybody else. And, and everybody else has like a little animal next to them. Oh, his does when they finally go to find it. Well, when he finds no, it. He, and we see him draw it. Yeah. But it's a stick figure with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't a little bat with fangs. Okay. <laughs> I I was waiting. So I, as he was drawing it, I was waiting for him to draw fangs on the <laughs> face. Like his name, his native name was like Sharp Tooth or something. <laughs> God. I'm part of the group. Of course he was there. Oh my God. And then we cut to Nick because Nick is sleeping on the couch. I told you he doesn't sleep in his bed. He sleeps on the couch. So he's sleeping on the couch and also spirit walking and spirit macking all at the same time. It's got a lot of facets, okay? And okay, then, yeah. If insomnia, uh, if, um, what, what's it called? Okay, so there's narcolepsy. Yeah. When you just fall asleep, fall asleep random. randomly. Yeah. Is there a lepsy for dreamwalking? Dreamwalkalepsy? <laughs> uh, fantasialepsy? <laughs> yeah. Um, S- spirit walkalepsy. Well, it's aphantasia when you don't, when you can't see pictures in your head, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So fan fantasialepsy. There's, there's hyperphantasia, which is where you're always like kind of hallucinating. Well, that's Nick's. Yeah, <laughs> that, that fits. So hyperphantasialepsy <laughs> just occasionally slips, and I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, he he's in the spirit realm. He's Making out with Marion, and then she's like, I helped you, now you help us. And he looks down, and there's blood on his hands. And then he looks over, and there's a guy sitting on a rock. And when he walks over there, it's one of the evil lawyers, and he's had his throat slit. And he wakes up all sweaty and vamped out. Yep. It's like he's, he's got the really blood wet. His yeah. forehead is really, it's like dripping, like somebody overspritzed. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be just a misting. misting it's but not. Like... He looks like, yeah, it's a lot of sweat. And it's only on his forehead. He's not sweaty anywhere else. I live in a temperate swamp. When your face sweats, your whole face sweats, not just your forehead. <laughs> I don't know. He, when your he looks... whole body sweats. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Can you imagine his armpit stains? You know how after a while your armpits oh, get yellow? I like, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? Every time he goes to the dry cleaners, they're like, are you okay? And he's like, it's glandular. It's- <laughs> I have a condition. I have a condition. It's fine. And you know the neck ring when you sweat really bad and you get the neck ring? Yeah. So you know his neck, his collars, and his underarms are all red. Yeah. What if he sweats at work? Does he sweat when he gets hot? Or does he only sweat while he's sleeping? Because you know you can get those <laughs> armpit pads that you can sew into your clothes to absorb the extra sweat. Yeah. I wonder if he gets those. Maybe that's why he always has his collar buttoned all the way up to the top. Oh, because he's wearing like a sweatband or something, something yeah. to absorb the sweat. Like a what do they call the dicky, the fake maybe, turtlenecks? Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe that's why he was always wearing a vest in season two. Oh yeah, yeah. That could be. Or maybe he has a cream. <laughs> a cream. <laughs> An anti-sweat cream. Maybe only his forehead sweats blood. It's very specific. Yeah, that's yeah. possible. You know how sometimes your palm sweats? And it, yeah, okay. I don't know. There's the, what about his socks? <laughs> <laughs> he only wears red socks. <laughs> That's why so much of his wardrobe is just black. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't show the red. Maybe that's why he finally had to get rid of his 18th century peasant shirt. Oh, because the red was showing. Yeah. Or he spilled a cask while he was refilling his yeah. bottles. All right. But he wakes up and it's 8.33. He actually looks over at the clock. And then we find out, because he heads into work, and Reese tells him, don't get comfortable, Nick. There's a crime at another precinct. I think it's related. You guys should go see it. So he goes over there and Tracy's already there. And she tells him a, quote, hooker called it in. Because she thought he was a guy waiting for a client. She leaned in to talk to him and his throat was slit. And Natalie says, because Nick asks her, well, what's the time of death? And she goes, oh, relatively recent. He's still got some body temperature. So 8, 8.30, somewhere in there. She says 8 o'clock, give or take half an hour. Yeah. And Tracy goes, oh, what are the odds that this is related? And she's like, well, he could have other clients that wanted to kill him. It's not necessarily that it's related to the land dispute. And Tracy's like, yeah, but what are the odds it isn't? Not great. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go back to the precinct because they're getting statements for all the people related in the related to the hearing. So that's why Marion is there. That's why Jess is there. That's why Buckwater is there. And Jess is leaning against the pillar next to next to Tracy. And he goes, ah, there's a crime. You round up the usual suspects, get all their statements. And then he looks pointedly around and he goes, did this lawyer not have any white enemies? Always the same, isn't it? Crime is committed. Round up the usual suspects. That lawyer didn't have any white enemies? We won't keep you long. <laughs> oh, let's, let's, let's just nod towards the institutional racism. Oh, that's what I'm saying. This character saves this episode. Yeah. The Jess character saves this episode because he gets to say the quiet part out loud and also fill us in on all the mysticism in a very... In a way that doesn't make it feel like all of these white people are white splaining all of this native stuff to us. Yeah. Uh, so Nick, and- I, I wonder if he, if uh, Jess is the cultural consultant from the local tribe. I think it's so cute and generous that you thought they had a cultural consultant for this episode. <laughs> well, okay. That they had a sensitivity he, he coordinator. Is, he is, whether or not he was paid for that role or not. Yeah. Is what we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So Nick and Marion are off in the corner while all of this is happening. And it kind of looks like they're flirting, although we know they're not. Um, because he's talking to her about, I saw in the spirit, I was in the spirit realm and you were there. And then I saw this guy and he had his throat slit. And she's like, you know, I miss my grandfather. <laughs> she just completely deflects the question. And he's like, oh, you do? And she's like, yeah, I do. This is why you can't have, you can't trust Nick alone with female suspects. They just, they just, he can't. Everything, everything gets knocked out of their head. Yeah. Theirs and his. It's a mutual they just can't have real conversations because it's clear she deflects his question, but he doesn't pick up on it. And meanwhile, Tracy has called Vashon and she's like, did you kill this guy? And he's like, what guy? And she's like, the guy, the bad lawyer guy. And he's like, I told you it's not my fight anymore. I'm not involved in this. And she goes, how can I trust anything you say? And he goes, just wait. As soon as you see the treaty, you're going to believe me, which has nothing to do with whether or not he murdered that guy. Right. 
<laughs> it just means he told the truth about the last thing that happened. Right. He explained to Tracy that he has a stake in all this. Yeah. Which I don't know if he has a stake other than his historical involvement. Yeah. Or if he is still like involved with the Mississauga tribe or like no. does he have an arrangement with them no. that he he gets something out of this deal if they get into the deal? Who Vashon? Yeah. No. It's just his historical involvement. Yeah, it's just okay. oh I was there. I knew this deed existed. And so when they asked me about it on TV, I couldn't resist making a statement about it, but I'm not like in this. I have no horse in this race. Yeah. I just know they're right. I hope they can prove it right, but I've seen people lose fair fights plenty of times before, so meh. I think that's where Vishan is. But he's actively not interfering right now. I do like how Tracy and Nick actually act far more autonomously than Skanky and Nick ever did. Right. Every once in a while you got the sense that Skanky had gone and questioned people during the day, but for the most part they spent their entire shift together, mm -hmm. whereas Tracy and Nick lose track of each other constantly. Because <laughs> Nick is walking through the precinct, and Reese calls him in. He's like, Knight, can you come in my office for a second? And Knight walks in, and he's like, do you know where Tracy is? And she goes, "He." Reese says, yeah, I think she's down at the morgue, but like, I wanted to talk to you for a second. What's the deal with you and Marion? And Nick is like, deal? What deal? There's no deal. Deal or no deal? There's no deal. No deal. And Reese goes, uh, you don't want to know what I think, but I'll tell you anyways. In here a sec. Have you seen Tracy? In the morgue, I think. What's going on with you and Marion Blackwing? It's not what you think. You don't want to know what I think, but I'll tell you anyway. Marion Blackwing's a suspect. <laughs> he says, uh, Marion is a suspect. And Nick is like, what? No. No. What? No. No. That's no. And Reese says, yeah, um, she has every reason to do this. So I think we need at least one person on her. Can you get on her, Nick? And Nick is like, yeah, I could do that. I'll get on her. <laughs> I'm already on her. <laughs> and he goes, okay. but keep... uh, we, we must have been thinking the same thing because I've already been on her. <laughs> He's like, okay, but keep your head on. And Nick goes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe you would question my integrity what? at all. <laughs> why would you think that I would ever do that? And he's like, well, I've been reading every report on you, so I know exactly why you <laughs> he's, The same thing he had for the undercover cop. He has the official report and then the real That's info. the whole bottom drawer. Just the, <laughs> the whole bottom drawer is just the real... The real tea on Nick. Yes, that's that's what that whole file cabinet is. It's Nick and like four other cops. <laughs> <laughs> the suspicious ones. Yeah. So we cut to Tracy and Natalie who are in the morgue. And Natalie's explaining to Tracy like this one was different. The cut was deeper. It was probably a different person. And Tracy goes, yeah, maybe, maybe, but it could have been the same person who was more confident the second time around. And we know that they were both done with an obsidian knife because obsidian fragments were found in the wounds. But because the knives were all carved from the same large block of obsidian, it's impossible to tell if they're the same knife or different knives because chemically right. they'd all be the same. And Lacroix takes this opportunity to podcast about things because I want to know, is he also experiencing the spirit walk with Nick? Because obviously... Probably peripherally, yeah. Yeah, obviously he's got a direct line. 
into what me- must be the most entertaining reality show ever, which is Nick's <laughs> internal monologue. <laughs> he's, he's always privy to Nick's surface thoughts. Right. And so he has been having to experience what Nick is It's probably been very distracting for him, uh, like, tuning in to Nick, like, just randomly getting pulled into the spirit world. He's like, ah, uh, Nick, what are you doing? Close up what are you shop, getting man. involved with? Close up shop. Oh, uh, here's here's an interesting tangent. Yeah. So they can sense each other. They can yes. sense the vampire nature in each other. Yes. So Lacroix is always privy to Nick's surface thoughts. If Marianne has taken in the vampire like part of darkness, Nick, yeah, taken in his darkness. Does Lacroix's like finding ability point to Marion or Nick? Does it point to his physical body or does it point to his vampire nature, oh. which is now inside Marion? Maybe both. It's probably confusing for Lacroix. Oh, yeah. At... It's probably why he's mad enough to podcast about it. <laughs> and is he tuning into Marion's surface thoughts? Is it like going from watching a grimdark television show to a hopelessly optimistic sitcom? Because you're stuck in this guy's head who's constantly talking about how terrible he is and he's a bad guy and he's guilty. And then you come back and it's all the Three Stooges and running gag jokes and just him enjoying the fact that he's not guilty for two seconds. Yeah. And it must be just terrible. Like, where did it go? Can we bring that back? Although, this is really disorienting. I have a feeling it still points to Nick and that Lacroix is well aware that this is a temporary condition because his discuss- his thing, which is actually quite long, it's like a minute and a half long because I grabbed the whole quote, is about Raven and how at the beginning of time, the great father left out his paints and uh, Raven asked Eagle to paint him and he ended up painting him all black and he tries to wash the color away and it won't come away and so nick so lacroix says the moral which is black you are and black you will remain and then he says i don't care very much for the story but i do like the moral which is uh a tiger can't change its spots (laughs) (laughs) what did i use that in that was um I don't remember what was that the last Strange and Beautiful Book Club episode? Maybe a leopard can't change its stripes. No, I just kept saying it. Well, I know, I know. <laughs> so I swapped it. Yeah. Uh, so Nick sees Marion on the spirit plane again, and this time he sees a guy getting stabbed because he's driving, and this is when he actually pulls like diagonal oh, yeah. in the lane and yeah. breaks the car. Co- not breaks like broken brakes but like stops the car and because he's slipping so much into the spirit realm it's not safe for him to keep driving and he's like passed out at the wheel and he sees he's flashing between seeing someone get stabbed in real life and this thing happening in the spirit realm too and then when he comes back we hear like come in 81 kilo where are you 81 kilo like Nick answer where the fuck are you there's no fuck but you get where he's where we're going and then we cut to tracy and tracy's like yeah 
the other guy got murdered too, except this time he was stabbed. And Reese is like, where is your partner? And she's like, honestly, I have no idea. And he's like, does he even know the second lawyer was killed? And Tracy's like, I don't know that either. And then he says, has anyone called Robinson and told him to watch his back? Because these guys are all getting murdered one after the other. Has anybody warned him? And Tracy's like, yeah, we're trying, but he's overseas on business. So he might be safe. Yeah. And Reese says, okay, because the jurors, the, the second murder happened in yet another jurisdiction and they are not letting Tracy anywhere near the murder. So he says, you know what? Natalie's the coroner on call. Go to the coroner's office. Ask Natalie about the murder. She probably also knows where Nick is. And so she goes to see Natalie and Natalie's like, yep, stabbed, probably the knife, but I don't know. Like, I can't. I'm giving you all I got here. And she's like, okay. Okay, so Buckwater had the one knife. Yeah. For the original crime. Yes. And then one knife remained in the knife holder. Yeah. But that knife holder was taken into evidence. No. Maybe. I I thought they put it in a bag. Well, Natalie's holding it, but Nick can't take it. And then I think he said, I think, I don't think it gets picked up because it's not the actual knife. Oh, I thought it got brought into evidence because I was wondering how did Marion get the other knife? Unless, well, I don't know, because at the very end, Jess kills Buckwater with yet another raven knife. So we don't know. We don't maybe, ever talk maybe about Marianne it. Maybe Marion has her own knife. Probably. Maybe. I don't know. We're not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. We don't ever see it being taken into evidence. I don't know why it wouldn't be, but that doesn't mean it. I don't know. You'd think they'd have taken samples from both knives for comparison. Well, I think Natalie says that they did. You're on your own. Okay. I don't know. I don't think that's something we can solve. Yeah, you're like, why would they be confused about it if you already took the second knife into evidence? It can only be the one knife. Well, right, they're just trying I, to figure I out. I thought if, they tested the, she tested the flakes in the wound I think, against the knife in evidence. I think what they're trying to establish is just, is it the same killer or is right. it different killers? It's not about whether or not it's the same knife from the same set it's like are we using the same knife over and over again well we're all using an obsidian knife but i couldn't tell you there's no way to conclusively say whether it's the same knife or just one that was carved from the same block they happen to be bought at the same time or whatever there's no way to conclusively say it and so because there's no way to completely nail that down she just doesn't take a stance and i don't think it's about whether or not they're from the same set or whether we're right, right, or whether the killer is just changing their technique. Yeah, just that it's all an obsidian knife, but it could be multiple killers operating with different obsidian knives. Impossible to say. Yeah. And uh, Tracy also asks where Nick is because honestly, Natalie is their best lead on this. But Natalie's like, I don't know, but if he comes to find me, I'll let you know. And she's like, Well, good enough, I guess. Because then we cut to, well, apparently they went to Marion's to look for him and he wasn't there and neither was Marion. But then we immediately go to Marion's and both Nick and Jess are there. Oh, I thought they were at Gary's. No, they're at Marion's because they're both there looking for Marion. Because Jess has a feeling that there's something wrong with Marion. Yeah. And Nick knows for shizzle that something is wrong with Marion. So they're all there. 
And so Nick is like, I keep going into the spirit realm. Can you tell me why? And Jess is like, it's because you formed a powerful spirit bond. <laughs> and you also have the gifts of the elders. Blonde haired, blue eyed, white man. <laughs> God. And you have to find her on the spirit plane, not in real life. You're not going to be able to find her. She's in the wind, but you just have to walk with the spirits and she'll find you. You can find her on the spirit plane because she's always there, too. And Nick is like, well, that makes perfect sense. Thank you for your insight and guidance. (laughs) And then we got to Natalie because Natalie's sitting in the dark and she's having a wrap up phone call with Reese, clearly getting ready to end her shift and leave. And Reese says on the phone, but we don't hear him. Natalie just responds. She goes, yep, I'll tell you as soon as he shows up. And she hangs up the phone and looks up, and Nick is just standing right there, and he goes, I showed up. Yes, sir, I'll have those preliminaries for you ASAP, Captain. What? Yeah, I'll tell him if he turns up. Good night. I showed up. (laughs) And Natalie's like, where the fuck have you been? And he's like, I think I killed somebody. She's like, okay, slow down, roll it back. What happened? And he was like, oh, I was on the spirit plane. (laughs) (laughs) I was on the spirit plane, and then I saw Marion, and then there was a guy, and then I was stabbing the guy. But I don't know if I was stabbing the guy, but something was stabbing the guy in real life, and there was a knife, and I saw the knife. And she's like, Nick, was the knife in your hand? And he's like, I know, I'm being hysterical right now. And she's like, you're not? You're not? You're not being hysterical right now, Nick, but I need you to tell me, was the knife in your hand? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I was looking at him and it was my eyes, but it wasn't my eyes. <gasps> it was Marion's eyes. Marion is the one who's killing all Marion has my eyes. <laughs> I knew that's where I put them. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, I gave her my killer, and now she is off killing people, and this is all my fault. It is. (laughs) She took my darkness, Natalie. (laughs) Natalie's like, God damn it, I would have taken your darkness. (laughs) How come everybody else gets your darkness? I've been trying to take your darkness for years, Nick, and you just give it away? (laughs) How come everybody else gets your darkness, but do I get your darkness? Oh, no, we don't even ask if I want your darkness, do we? (laughs) Never ask what I want. Never even gave me a chance, Nick. (laughs) And then Tracy is at, Tracy's actually off doing da-da-da-da, police work. What? (laughs) Because she's at Mr. Bland, the lawyer's house. (laughs) What a name for a lawyer. (laughs) And the the guard is like, I don't think Mr. Bland's going to like this. And she goes, hard to answer, hard to argue with a warrant. And she hands him this piece of paper and he just looks at it and he goes, all right then. And he lets her in. And she goes, besides, I don't think Mr. Bland is going to have very much to say about it at all. Because, of course, Mr. Bland just got stabbed to death. And he goes, okay. And then he shuts the door and leaves her alone in this room in the dark. He does not even stay with her to see what she goes through. Right. So she's off searching Mr. Bland's office. And this is when Natalie is still trying to walk Nick through this panic attack. Nick is having a panic attack. And she's trying to, like, guide him through it. She's like, okay, okay, okay. What, what do we think happened? And he's like, Marion took my killer. She took my killer. And now she's a killer. I don't believe I adequately explained that to her during our makeout session. 
Maybe he should have used his lips for the talkie-talkie, a little bit less for the kissy-kissy. <laughs> so his lips were occupied? Occupado. Can he do both in the spirit realm? Can you talk and make out at the same time oh, since I you bet, don't have a physical body? I bet you body? really could. Yeah. Maybe he was trying to transfer knowledge to her. With, with his face? With his face. He just kind of got mixed He kind of got mixed up. Well, I don't know. You know, sometimes you're and trying the, to... The mouth is for consuming things, but yeah. also expelling things. Yeah, in like more words. ways than what... Yeah, like words, instead of whatever else was happening. So Tracy finds this recording proving that Buckwater was working for the bad lawyers the whole time. And it's very... Like, she picks up this recorder off the table and hits play, and it's like, Buckwater, is that you? And he goes, yes, it's me. My name is Buckwater, and I'm the lawyer for the for Gary Blackwater. And he's like, okay, Buckwater Blackwing. lawyer for Gary Blackwing. Um, if you stall Gary and help us win this, we'll pay you money. And he's like, you will pay me money and I will accept it. And that makes me a bad guy. And then they give a thumbs up to the tape recorder. And Tracy's like, great. That's all. She goes, lawyers. And that's, I mean, we don't ever hear anything more about that plot line. So, right. I mean, I get from the horse's mouth, I guess. So done with that. Cause then we cut to Nick who is looking for Marion because now he knows that Marion has his killer. And the only possible way he can do this is to stand on a rooftop and listen both physically and spiritually to see if he can find Marion. <laughs> this reminds me of one of the, the Dexter novels. Yeah. Where Dexter's dark passenger leaves. Yeah. And he has to deal with like life. Yeah. Without his dark passenger. And he, he finds out that he's he's really like a clumsy goof. And it's his dark passenger that's really good at being sneaky and stuff. What a revelation. Yeah. We all know that was what happened if Nick came back, right? Nick would be like a, a fluffy golden retriever dude. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is why he's so sad all the time. He's like, I don't want to be toxically masculine. I want to be Alan. <laughs> So he in he's while he's listening spiritually, physically, he is both hearing the things that are happening around him, but also seeing the moment on the spirit plane when Gary Blackwing was murdered. Except this time he actually sees the murderer who is Buckwater. Once Tracy knew, he knew. He knew. Well, we all Tracy's knew. knowledge echoed through the spirit world. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. And so they go to... The... And while he was listening no. physically no, 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 and no, no, metaphysically, no. Yeah. he heard the echoes. He felt the ripples. Because <laughs> we, then we go to Blackwing's house and Marion is there. And so is Puckwater. Bum, bum, bum. And Marion's like, I know where the letter is. Well, and... Marion walks in and Buckwater is going through all the papers. Yeah. And she's like, oh, hey, are you here looking for it too? And he's like, yeah, yep, yep. She goes, well, it's okay. I know where it is. And he goes, you do? And she's like, yeah, it was here all along. He was trying to tell me, but I didn't know how to listen. His gift to me in my gift to him. Yeah. Which is which really it, just on the nose. It wasn't her gift to him. He had to go out and find somebody to buy it for him. Yeah, but maybe she painted it with him in mind. Maybe. Yeah. Because Buckwater uh, ends up stabbing her. Buckwater doesn't actually, like, realize what she's talking about. No, he's not listening. He's just waiting to sneak up on her and stab her in the back. Yeah. 
Because as long as it's not found by Friday, nobody gives a shit. He just needs right. to make sure it's not found. So he stabs her just as Nick gets there. And he pushes him against the wall. And then he's doing the snarl thing, which Buckwater is wildly unimpressed with. Because he's getting ready to get the knife and go after Nick. Even though Nick is like fangs out snarling at this guy. And this is when Jess shows up and he throws a knife and stabs Buckwater in the chest just by throwing this knife Another at him. obsidian knife. And, of course, Marion is stabbed, so now she's collapsed on the couch and she's dying. And everyone's like, oh, no, this is fate. Instead of fucking calling 911, even Jess right. is Everybody's just, just sitting there watching and nobody's calling. Nobody. Nobody. Ca- nobody. They're like, oh, she's done for. At least she gets to be with her grandfather. I'm just going to watch her die. Because Nick is like, I have to take my darkness back. This is what did it. And she's like, you're right. You did this to me. You made me into a killer. And he's like, yeah, I'm not oh, yeah. She, really sorry about she's it. She's like, my my grandfather's dying wish was for vengeance. And he's like, no, that was my darkness. He's like, <gasps> no, that was me. And she's like, oh, you, you bitch. You bitch. You did this? And he's like, yeah, like a little. I don't know. I just kind of thought that we could do this and like nothing bad would happen. I just kind of never expected that bad things would happen from not fully explaining the consequences of my actions. And he ends up taking the darkness back because she's like, it's cool. It'll die with me. And he's like, no, I can't let you carry that burden. That's my burden. And so he buries his throat face in her throat. Does he bite her? I'm wondering why did he not turn her into a vampire? Because obviously they had a strong spiritual bond. No, he wouldn't turn her into a vampire because he wants her to not be a killer anymore. So making it permanent would be just really like the lowest of low But if he gets his darkness back so he can feel his guilt, and that would be. Well, it's so she doesn't carry his guilt into the afterlife because she didn't release that. Um, Everybody can make their own guilt. They don't have to take his. Yeah, but there's like a bunch. Okay. <laughs> it's like a bunch. It's like. Dying with his rabid wolf. And he's like, no, you don't have to take that with you into the afterlife. I'll take it back. So you get to just chill and relax and be with your grandfather like you're supposed to be. But nobody, again, he buries his face in her throat. And when he picks his face up, his eyes are vampy, like they've changed. But there's no implication that he bites her. But blood exchange was required for him to give her his metaphysical darkness. blood exchange maybe we just didn't see the metaphysical maybe we just didn't see the metaphysical exchange when he took it back maybe one more spirit walk was one spirit walk too far yeah okay all right fine whatever because uh, we, we cut- used the transition budget yeah well apparently he gets his guilt back because he is guilt cleaning out gary blank blackwing's house he, they must be helping to try yeah. to find the piece of paper because he's not got his buttoned in. He's got a shirt on, but it's not buttoned in. Or, I mean, God, tucked in. in. It's like long and flowing. Diaphanous. Diaphanous, one might say. It's really silky, whatever it is he's wearing. Because he's cleaning and then he just stops and walks over and picks up the picture, lays it flat on this table and just rips the paper off the back, the back of the frame, and pulls the deed out of the picture and it's all folded up. It's like an inch thick. Yeah. That would have left a noticeable. It doesn't matter. He pulls it out and he's like, found it. And he just hands it off to Tracy and then walks off set for a minute. Duty done. And she opens it and there's 
my name is Vashon. <laughs> she's like oh okay uh this guy signed it which you know what okay here's an interesting point the reason the inca was after Vashon is because he was not ending senseless killing in the world it kind of feels like that's what he was doing if he was fighting for the native tribes okay so the way he described it to Tracy was that he feels a compulsion yeah. to fight, but always on the losing side. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like he has this compulsion? Depends, because you know at one point the Nazis were killing? also the losing side. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> he has to fight on the side of the people that respect life. Yeah. Yeah. And he kind of was, which kind of feels like he was fulfilling his duty. But not for the entire hundreds of years. But then the Inca wasn't either. No, because the Inca was hunting Vashon. He wasn't doing his job either. Everybody <laughs> fucked up a little. Okay, guys, it's eternity. We get some down decades, centuries, whatever. But this is when Jess walks over to talk to Nick and he's like, how did you know? And Nick has to deliver this line, which is like Blackwing showed it to me on the spirit plane. Oh, Blackwing showed me where to find it. On the spirit plane. Marion was there too. I'm sorry. It's not your fault, detective. This was fate. We're almost through, honey. We're almost through it. So then, uh, and then Jess goes, Marion helped you. I know she helped you. Didn't she help you? And Nick goes, yeah, she did. She took my darkness, uh, but I took it back. And he's like, why did you take it back? And he's like, well, because it was, I, I don't know. I didn't, it was too much for her. And he's like, yeah, she didn't have anybody to teach her because normally a medicine man wouldn't take it into themselves. They'd put it in an animal or a rock or a river and let it go out or, to the ocean. <laughs> or a forest. Can you imagine giving it to like a turtle and then you just have this... <laughs> <laughs> this like, psycho murderer turtle. This murderer turtle. Every time you give it lettuce, it looks at you with these green vampire turtle eyes. And little fangs come little out. Oh my god, can you imagine you give it to like a squirrel and you get this rabid murderous Whoa. squirrel? Look, a lot of bad things could have happened if she'd given that to an animal. Or a rock. <laughs> <laughs> People just keep getting bashed in the head with this rock. And then you end up with like, this place ooh, is cursed. Ooh. You put it in a ring. Oh, a gold ring, one a might gold say. Ring. One ring? Put it in one ring. One ring to rule them all. And in the darkness, bind them. <laughs> yeah. And then you just give it to LaCroix. Engrave it. Oh, oh, here's what you do. You <laughs> you give it to your, like, strongest warriors before battle. Yeah. <laughs> what battle? Uh, whatever battle happens to be happening, okay. and then he and then keeps at the it end, for centuries. At and the like... end of the battle, you take it off the per like. Mm. So it would have to be like a shaman, yeah, in the tribe doing this, and so okay, you find a vampire, you take their darkness, and then you put it in a ring okay. or like a pendant or something, and then you keep those in the armory, huh? And then you can weaponize the darkness for good. That would be an interesting. Prompt. 
I'm, for a story. I'm thinking. <laughs> because you could have this whole exchange system for ruthlessness. Yeah. If you're a vampire who doesn't have enough uh, killer instinct, you could borrow it from somebody could, who has You could much. do that for like any any like excess pathological amount of, of some something? attribute. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm... I'm too compassionate to my detriment, mm-hmm. so I can have some of that removed yeah. to make me like more functional, and then you can have a compassion amulet. Oh. There you go. And the the king always wears it, or doesn't, or doesn't. Bum bum bum. That would have made the book we just read, which we're going to talk about for Strange and Beautiful Book Club: The Thousand Deaths of Arder Ben. Far more interesting <laughs> if we could have had a sort of exchange system like that. All right, that's a, okay. I'm just going to leave that right there because that sounds like a really interesting prompt. A you could the, you could take that out of the episode if you don't want to. No, no, it's like the lawyer. Remember we talked about the lawyer that not the lawyer but the the therapist who uh, is yes, a therapist with for the mind wipe all the monsters. But you just go to work and then you come to like eight hours later and there's a stack of regular bills, antique doll, antique like foreign bills, and then just solid gold coins on your desk. And you have no idea where they came from or what you did, but you just come back day after day for some reason, and all of your clients are actually supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we'll leave it there. We made it. Congratulations. We have successfully navigated, hopefully successfully navigated, the Native American mysticism episode. So I'm looking forward to, like, what else... Nick does with his gift of the elders. Oh, yeah. Now that we've learned he has it. Are you? Okay. Well, you know what? You let me know when you find that, okay? (laughs) Oh, I know it's never going to get mentioned again. (laughs) What I think is interesting is we keep, we don't keep, this whole season, we're going to start to see that Nick is more connected to the supernatural realm than he has been in previous seasons. He's capable of interacting with, because he is uh, partially dead already. Although, if he doesn't have a soul, could he walk on the spirit realm? Oh, no. He has a soul, but his his soul soul, is corrupted. Shouldn't his soul have been covered with maggots the whole time? With the weird squelchy, squelchy maggots Oh, and he doesn't have a mullet. (gasps) Oh, my God. Uh, He didn't have a spirit mullet. His soul does. Well, okay, okay. Was this his soul? Or was this like astral projection? Mm. It was so he was so wearing the same clothes his soul, as he was wearing in real life. Yeah. There's his soul, which has a mullet and wears a diaphanous gown. Yes, but then there's his mind projecting into the spirit world, which, which did not, which have may a be different. Like astral projection may be different than like. His soul entering. Well, clearly, the plane. he's interacting with the spirit realm differently than Marion and the others because they appear wearing. I hesitate to call it native dress because it's really just skins draped around them and yeah. moccasins, and we don't get enough information. I don't personally know enough to be able to say whether this is accurate or not accurate. And yet, they are not showing up wearing their regular clothes. They have a spirit walk form. He doesn't because every time he shows up, he's wearing whatever he's wearing in real life at the moment. Yeah. So he's clearly interacting with it differently. 
than they are, which makes sense because he's not human in the same sense as they are. So he couldn't walk the spirit realm in the, I'm saying this like this is actually a real thing, but he's not, he couldn't actually walk in the spirit realm. I'm not saying it's not. I interrupted myself twice there to say that I just don't trust the way that this is portrayed in this television show. I'm not saying that this is not a part of any particular native culture. It very well could be, but I do not trust this 90s vampire television show to have given me an accurate portrayal. But if we take the way that they present it with uh, to us, um, clearly because of his unique nature, he is interacting with it differently, which may be why her taking his darkness in the spirit walk hit different. Hit a little too hard. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. It... <laughs> what a choice. Right? Can you imagine sitting down every day of your life knowing that at one point you wrote this and it got made into a television show and it's just out there for people to experience in perpetuity? Would that weigh heavy on you, Rachel? It would on me. It would on me. Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst Native episode I've ever seen. That probably goes Was to... Was it the Highlander one? No. Well... You, 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 there's I one. have no idea if there is one, <laughs> but I know there, there is, is one. one. Of but course I, there is I, one. I don't know of it. Oh, there's even drums and stuff. It's, I think it's the one where he gets the dark quickening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not make that up. I did not make that up. He gets the dark quickening and it turns him evil. Duncan McLeod gets evil for a little while and he has to go to this special pool of like quickening energy and release the dark quickening before it corrupts him forever. And he gets it from his friend who is native. I'm almost positive. So anyway, so I'm just going to leave it there. I don't feel like we need to give out any more honors for just really uncomfortably uh, portrayals, portrayals, things that in 2023 you're like, not okay. But in 1990, felt like, ooh, guys, this is really cool. Let's put this on television. Uh, you know what? I'm glad we've grown. Let's just let's just leave it there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll use the discomfort as a metric yeah. for how, how much the culture has changed since then. Hopefully for the better and continually yeah. to change for the better. So until next time, friends. Until next time. Bye. Bye.
Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. And this is... Come in, 81 Kilo. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it! (laughs) We were so close. Are you ready to try again? Yes. Don't do it again. I got that look. (laughs) I wasn't planning to do it. It just... (laughs) The opportunity presented itself. And who are you to say no to fate? Right? Okay. Are you ready?